Welcome to Happy Times and Places, in which I, Toby Haydoke, have to guess my special guest's favourite thing about their chosen Doctor Who story. Hello, Toby. Peter Ware here, Deputy Editor of Doctor Who magazine. The story I've chosen for you is The Highlanders. Well, welcome back. Let's go up to the Highlands uh, and see what is what uh, and who is going to get a watery grave. Uh, I'm presuming you've just heard from Peter Ware, assistant editor of Doctor Who magazine, and one of the cheeriest souls on the planet who clearly has a slightly sadistic streak uh, because of the challenge he has put before me. Um, But let us... Without further ado, he says, looking for the remote control, this is going to be a fairly regular pastime of mine, isn't it? I can tell. Looking for the remote control with which to start. the Here it is. Because fans of remote control gate will... <laughs> Be aware um, that for episode one of this, I couldn't find it. I was I used a phone instead. That was a real palaver. I actually found this remote uh, where I'd searched for it previously, and it wasn't, which is in the folds of this sofa. And I was looking for something else. Anyway, I have it now. So press play for episode three, if that's what you're doing. In three, two, one. It's the Highlanders episode three. Um... I mean, I think the the answer there is stop looking for the Highlanders, uh, you doughty episode hunters. Start looking for, I know, R3 or uh, uh, episodes of Out of the Unknown uh, and you'll find the Highlanders uh, because you've been looking everywhere and it'll be where you've already looked. Um, probably in a cupboard in BBC Enterprises. Probably in Pamela Nash's handbag. Um, so listen, uh, it's episode three of the Highlanders. Uh, Interesting. I th- I thought I'd 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 have a little bit of a a look around because I was trying to work out exactly uh, how this production worked. Partially because I've I've asked uh, people on my Patreon page to send in questions or observations or their favourite things. And Nathan Moore um, asked if it would always been the plan that Jamie would uh, stay, or if the story that they refilmed the ending to keep Jamie on board was true which sounds like a bit of sort of wishful thinking doesn't it It sounds like a uh a, a tale um and that maybe there'd been some you know that hadn't been the original plan and then they did it but no that on the 14th of i think it was november um they filmed the tardis leaving and jamie stayed behind and exactly a week later they refilmed the scene on the hillside they were still doing filming for the highlanders uh, but that was specially convened an extra filming day uh, to film Jamie joining. Uh, Fraser Hines had worked on Smuggler's Bay, Moonfleet, with Patrick Troughton. Um, so they knew each other. Um, and Fraser Hines had done a lot of work as a child actor. Um, and, and where we are with this is that filming was done before the studio session for episode six of Power of the Daleks. So, so as they were filming the end of Power of the Daleks, Jamie was part of the TARDIS crew because they've been doing the filming for this during the production of Power, as they then do some of the filming for uh, 
the underwater menace during the studio recordings for for this so by the time that this is happening fraser hines is on board because the filming has been done beforehand so by the time we're in the studio here uh uh yeah hines is hines is a regular you know he's he's uh although he doesn't get you know billing or anything like that but uh uh he's he's part of the team he's going to be part of the team um this is Andrew Downey, who was another actor. The cast of this prospered. Another actor who was still working. Um, uh, right up, he died in about 2009, I think, and was still on an agent's books. Was still, he did a voiceover work. He wasn't, so he had a decent, you know, he had a decent and sustained career uh, playing Willie Mackay. Um, the part was originally, I think, supposed to be played by Russell Hunter, Lonely and Callan, Commander Yovanov in The Robots of Death, who then got a job... I think covering Duncan McRae on his stage production, who had fallen ill or something. So Russell Hunter dropped out, apparently, and Andrew Downey stepped in. But that's okay, because Russell Hunter did Doctor Who later on, so it meant we got two good actors in Doctor Who, as opposed to one good actor twice. Uh, uh, and yeah, as I say, Downey matured into a you know a very reliable, uh, you know, Scottish uh, character actor, regular face in productions that needed a bit of authentic scots character and grit um i meant to say and i got i tailed off a bit last week for which apologies um oh yeah the 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 new trout and title sequence is in the can now by the way that was done last week so um it's interesting that they they hang around for a couple more stories before they uh they've they've because it's filmed it hasn't been put together um uh, but how great Ben and Polly are in this. I, I mentioned that Jamie coming on board, which is a wonderful thing for the history of Doctor Who, because we love Jamie and we love Fraser Hines. Um, ben and Polly are, are great. I love Ben and Polly. And and they only really get uh, a chance to shine, you know, for a, for, for a few short months. Then Jamie comes in and they, they, they do get a little bit sidelined. But Polly, and, and, and I didn't talk about it much in episode two, when she... Uh, you know, she cajoles Kirsty rather uh, uh, bullishly, uh, and it's isn't it funny that Polly? How often is sort of, you know, in documentaries and things they go, oh, let's show how the the the, the female companion screamed and made the coffee, and of course, Polly does do both of those things, and yet when she's with a woman from the past, somehow she's allowed to be sort of all modern and go-getting because it, it shows how how useless women were in the olden days. Although Kirsty is, is th- thanks, I think, to Hannah Gordon, who has a great strength of character and voice and is a very good actress and a, a stunning, stunning woman visually and vocally. Um, but, 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 you know, Kirsty is sort of bossed about a bit by Polly. And that's us going, well, look, look how emancipated women are in these days and how capable our women are, albeit ones that we make screen and and, and make the coffee when things are set in the future. <laughs> it's all about how relative everything is. Um, whereas, of course, Kirsty, for her time, is pretty uh, 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 get up and go. It's, it's, yeah, it's all how it's framed, I guess. Um, but it's it's it's... It's fun how they that they've that in this situation they've decided, you know, to give Polly a superiority in terms of her confidence. Whereas actually, somebody from nineteen sixties England would probably be absolutely terrified of this bloodthirsty and cruel period. Just in the same way that you know, 
some of our wisest and most bullish voices, um, I'm looking at you, social media, are, are people who uh, wouldn't cope with uh, some of the periods in the past that uh, the older people they mock and chastise uh, had to face uh, on a daily basis. So uh, it's funny how we think of us, yeah, we think of ourselves as more sophisticated and capable were we to be because of what we because we know so much and yet actually you abandon us in the past we only know so much because other people have taught it us yes we have electricity and they didn't but would you be able to make electricity if you were suddenly uh, stuck in this awful time period no you wouldn't be able to do half the things that we take for granted and we can do thanks to the the, the invention of other people now uh, and you wouldn't be able to do any of the things that they can do then so we're actually the worst modern people are the worst because most things have been done for us or discovered by somebody else uh, and we've lost the knack of doing things that everybody used to be able to do we'd be terrible <laughs> i mean can you sew uh could you i mean people can't even bake anymore my mum can bake it's a lost art uh i bet i bet molly the kitchen wench could bake um anyway uh but everyone's everyone's terribly dishonest and there's a lot of manipulation and i do like I, I do like the way these two women run rings around algernon finch who i've not mentioned michael elwin another actor uh who has had a fabulous career still going strong he is the partner of alison steadman another fine uh actor but um elwin has done uh so much he was uh he's, he, he was in one of the more modern TV iterations of Robin Hood. Um, uh, I mean, he, he was Nickel No Bananas. Oh, Stedman was in that. I wonder if they met on that. Um, done loads of stage work. He was in the audience with Helen Mirren uh, on stage at the National Theatre, which was on very, very recently. And in fact, I wrote to him when he was in, in that. It was when I was starting my Who's Round podcast. And he wrote a very nice letter just because he was one of the first people, one of the first guest stars to sort of do... Interviews, so I think there's a Doctor Who bulletin where he gives an interview, and he remembers it very well, and he remembers all the actors, and and I think he'd got a few photos that he donated, uh, uh, and so um, he 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 gave sort of interviews early on, and I th he's he's interviewed on the the recreation on the on the the uh, uh, reconstruction uh, of uh, that I'm watching now. Um, so he's very much given his time to Doctor Who and I was badly timed because uh, I think he, he wrote and said, look, I, th I think I've said that all that I have to say, but he still took the time to write and he still signed a couple of things for me uh, and I'm very, very grateful to him. Uh, and yeah, I think he's been given more than enough of his time and I'm sure if it turned up and there was an official BBC uh, release, he would, uh, I, I bet he would uh, jump at it, but uh, Sometimes, uh, sometimes people have gone before you when you're, you're researching things and, and after people. I, I bear no, so long as he's 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 on record. That's all that matters uh, to me. But what a terrific career he's had. Uh, he was Anthony Eden in the audience with the Korean, Korean and it's a very very good performance. Um, uh, so you know, a, 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 a jolly good actor uh, there who's who's had a career all of this time. So that the, we're pretty the the cast of the Highlanders were were pretty blessed. Uh, a pretty uh, a, a prolific bunch. Um, uh, I'm, I'm still yes. That's that's the point I wanted to make uh, last week about Captain Trask, who, as Willie Mackay has told us, was his first mate. 
but presumably when he was his first mate, he still talked like long and dressed like Long John Silver. So it's sort of like, you know, Sailor Jim, yes, sir. Sailor John, yes, sir. Uh, first mate Trask, Arr, what be ye you want, <laughs> me hearty? What, what? Uh, why are you talking like, you're not a pirate, are you? No, I be your first mate. Right, you are, is it International Talk Like a Pirate Day? Which is a thing, and you know, I think the human race should be saved from extinction just for that fact. Um, but but he he clearly must have acted, he can't have started speaking like a pirate once he became a usurper. Um Unless that's just something that happens when you become a pirate, you suddenly sound like a drunk member of the cast of the Archers. Ah, I be bad. I be a bit bad. Um, so I would suggest Willie Mackay, in his recruitment policy, didn't do you know uh, interview technique one hundred and one, which is if you say, "Will you be loyal to me aboard my ship?" and they go, "Ah, I think run a mile." <laughs> but. It's a story that needs its colour, um, but it is very silly. <laughs> but it is a ripe, it is a ripe sort of show, and I think that that saves it from being dry. And and I mean, I I I, I totally get that 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 the historicals aren't everybody's cup of tea, and I think probably some people enjoy this a lot more than they enjoy the sort of historical that's more my cup of tea. Um, but I, I still... And I sometimes question myself and go, well done, Ben. Ben is very good. Ben gets a lot to do in this as well. And, of course, he's a sailor, so he's in his element. Um, but I, I do have to question myself sometimes and go, do I only like the historicals? Do, because I like to think of myself as somebody who likes the historicals. But the idea of watching a full historical, is is that really something that appeals to me more than watching you know some proper hard sci-fi with monsters would the younger me if i'd been if i'd been born you know in time to watch doctor in the 60s would i have really preferred the the massacre which i love to the ark would i would i i i don't know that i would so i don't know if my enjoyment of the of the historicals is me slightly playing to myself the idea that I like to think of myself as the sort of person that likes the things that it's harder to like because obviously it's easier to like a bit of sci-fi in Doctor Who because that's what we see Doctor Who as than the historicals that were you know were phased out from here until you know brief uh, sojourn in the 1920s with the uh, Black Orchid in the Davison era but you know this is the last of the you know, what had been a fairly regular occurrence in Doctor Who of the pure historical story. Uh, and, you know, I know some people for whom they're completely not what Doctor Who does. Um, but I think they're often the, the smarter and more intelligent scripts. Um, whereas, as I say, this and The Smugglers, I think, are a bit more of the daring do and a, a, a bit more disposable, perhaps. But this is this is fun. Uh and, and I certainly would love to see it. You know, there's no missing episode uh, to whose existence I am indifferent, partially because we know that Patrick Troughton 
will bring so much to just when the underwater menace episode two came back there were so many great moments that you couldn't have anticipated were there that are only there because of patrick tratton's great inventive busyness and his uh uh you know his desire to to to, to keep things slightly left field and slightly unpredictable um and he's having a whale of a time here in the dress with uh Perkins and I think there's a bit in episode two, isn't there, where where he has a little bit of a face off and Trask with Trask who just goes something who just goes and then leaves and I and I and I think there's there's obviously something that's gone on there, um, uh, but we don't quite know what it is. Ten minutes, yeah, <laughs> he's a he's a great type. You can you can imagine him doing a lot of sort of Dickens old uh, old Sydney Ar- Ar- Arnold you know playing playing any any number of sort of obsequious or portly uh, uh, Dickens type of characters um, so yes it looks it, it certainly looks a, a, a slightly bigger production than I thought and it uh, and and and, and Trouton's carrying it. The two the the the, the, the two current regulars, um, Polly and Polly and uh, Ben, both getting a very decent slice of the action. Um, but I think it was the right decision to phase out the historicals. And I've spoken to, I've spoken to fans older than me who who you know who were around at the time. And even Jeremy Bentham, who's chosen Marco Polo, says that, you know, that's actually more for how he's reappraised it since than the fact that it was his favourite story of the time. And we I think we lord Marco Polo now as a as a great lost classic and it's got all those beautiful pictures. But if you were a, 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 a young kid in 1964 who just watched seven weeks of adventures with, you know, malevolent uh, space alien robot things and then a couple of weeks later it's it's a it's a journey it's a journey uh, uh, across the gobi desert um with lots of uh, earnest but very well done science lessons um watch kieran hodgson by the way on twitter he 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 did a brilliant spoof of the crown but he has been he's been he's been doing doctor who very affectionately uh, where he's been playing all of the characters on his twitter uh, and his marco polo is gorgeous um but you know, I think Innes, Innes Lloyd has come in, hasn't he? And uh, got rid of got well. I mean, my God, he he had an axe and he was going to wield it, didn't he? I mean, he he, he got rid of uh, got rid of Dodo and Stephen almost immediately. Farnell <laughs> gets booted out, uh, uh, and in fact, so the historicals outlive uh, outlive those three who were. <laughs> um, uh, and I do, oh trout and stovepipe hat as well, which uh, we don't have. You know we don't have much in action, and I I think is rather a glorious thing. But again, it's you know somebody clearly had clearly had a little bit of a word um, in terms of performance and costume. And there's the there's the famous story isn't there, of that they took his trousers in by by a centimeter or an inch every week um, uh, because they were so baggy. I don't know how apocryphal that that one is but it's certainly a sign that uh yeah they gave him a bit of head and then just went do you know what <laughs> which um but he's i mean he's so good without all of that and i think he's such an oddball without all of that 
and sometimes you don't need to to try so hard and perhaps because i've you know speaking to his sons he was a very nervy performer uh you know man who had two or two or three heart attacks at quite a young age as well uh, uh who 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 you know you know performed on nervous energy you know some actors are cool as a cucumber um and some are a, a, a ball of nerves comics too um and yet such a consummate, such a brilliant, such a deft and skilled actor. But perhaps part of that was a harnessing of his nervous energy. So, you know, perhaps that nervousness meant that he went, well, I'll throw everything at it. Uh, and, and perhaps, you know, as he gained in confidence and realised that just doing, you know, this mercurial man-child uh, space pixie thing w- was enough. And he didn't need the accoutrements. So maybe if Dallas Cavell had... <laughs> had stayed on as a regular he'd have toned down toned down the r's <laughs> a little bit i've got to remember as i talk through this uh that i am also looking for uh things to really enjoy in it i'm i'm i'm, I'm loving from what i can glean the sort of the mist and the darkness um you, you don't know how much of that is obviously that it's still pictures and the, the the contrast may have been a lot flatter um i remember sometimes doctor who being quite surprising i remember you know imagining tomb of the cybermen as this sort of very dark shadowy tale and actually it's quite you know the lighting is 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 quite bright the contrast is quite flat whereas you know unearthly child the, the certainly the stuff you know the, the cavemen that's you know got real contrast with its sort of inky blacks and its shadows so you know, seeing what stuff looked like, we, you know, we with this we can only guess. But it's this is an interesting plot-wise that um, Polly's basically nicked Algernon Finch's money, and that's all they really need to do to uh, to to win this part of the story. So they've all been off to gather weapons because Polly and Kirsty have come back with, well, I don't know, a, a spatula and a fork handle. Uh, and the doctor's come back with a wheelbarrow full of guns, <laughs> which is a nice gag. And he's still dressed as a woman. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, that's something I remember Michael Elwin said, by the way, he, uh, that he started seeing Hannah Gordon uh, and they were, they, they were, in, they were, uh, they, they were a couple for a, a year or so after this so um file file that away in your office romances on the set of doctor who uh list if you're keeping one there are stranger lists that that, that people keep uh she's a very beautiful woman isn't she um uh so so yes uh and it's quite nice that the doctor's having this adventure whilst dressed as a woman with these two very capable uh, uh, female characters, which bucks the trend a little bit. Um, and actually, Polly in this is is much more like the Annika Wills that uh, it's been my great privilege to encounter, who is very much uh, a, a, a person of get up and go and, and running rings around people and, uh, and, and saying what's what... Uh, and uh, with a real sort of grasp for let's just do this. And I can imagine if, if Annika Wills was thrown backwards into the time of Culloden, she would be pretty like uh, Polly is because she's, uh, she's a very capable, uh, unfazed uh, person. Uh, 
she's good fun. She's good fun. And of course, of course, when when I was discovering Doctor Who, she vanished. Annika now lives in India. Was was about all that she got. She was a missing person. These were the days before you could just Google somebody, you know. And and it took. I think Stephen James Walker and David Howe and those guys deserve the credit for that. Uh, I could be wrong. But uh, I remember it was a really exciting thing when they found this regular from Doctor Who who'd been hitherto, you know, unknown and uninterviewed and sort of missing in action. And she returned to the Doctor Who fold and she was reunited with uh, Michael Craze, which was absolutely lovely because he died not not long after that. Um, uh, And she's now, you know, a stalwart of conventions and commentaries and all that sort of thing. And we're very fortunate to have her. So, um, listen... Uh, I have to press pause and I have to decide what it is I like about that. Well, I think... So I'm vacillating between the production design, part which is I know only based on photographs, but, but also with a little bit of, okay, I'm conferring on the fact that Geoffrey Kirkland is a hugely respected motion picture Hollywood designer um, but it looks good in the pictures um, I'm sort of enjoying Dallas Cavell but I think for the wrong reasons I think I think it would be a bit cheap to choose <laughs> Long John Silver which is essentially what he's doing I like the doctor dressed as a woman I like the gag with the wheelbarrow full of weapons um, I like the fact that everyone's a, you know everyone's manipulated by money and everyone's slightly dishonest that was more last episode though but i think i'm gonna go or should i use that as my i like the dinginess as well but but i think because i do have to choose a bonus at the end which i've just listing back to a couple of the ones that i've done uh, did I do it with Battlefield and Rescue? Where I go, no, the other p- the person chooses the bonus. I don't, which I don't know why I thought that. That seems like a silly rule. So I do have to come up with one uh, one extra. Um, and, and what I think I'm about to choose... Well, do I like the stuff? Do I like the filming? Do I like the walking the plank and the water? And maybe the thing I'm going to choose in my head here, I will choose as my bonus thing. Uh yeah, I like I like the amount of water. I like the fact that that opens it up a little bit. You think of the Highlanders, you think of sort of Culloden Fields or Frencham Ponds as it, as it was. Uh, and actually having all that stuff on the boat and having the plank uh, and having all of that water, um, it, it opens it up a bit. It looks deathly cold uh, and, and it adds, adds, adds some genuine peril amidst, amidst the merriment. So yeah, the, the the plank and the water and 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 the sort of stuff on board ship, uh, I think uh, I think gives gives the the story an edge, um, and it looks well realised too. So I'm going to choose that. I'm I'm aware that's not the best thing, but I've got to keep something in reserve because I've got to choose two things next week, and this is not a story I know very well. Does it show? Sorry, what's Peter Ware chosen? I'm going to kick him in the balls when I see him. Why couldn't he have chosen something I've seen a lot? That smiling face. Episode three. Well, episode three is the only 
episode of Doctor Who where the Doctor spends the entire episode in drag. He's dressed up as an old washerwoman, but he's got a funny little voice. Uh, and, and, and again, running rings around people, loving it. Soliciting weapons from uh, naughty English soldiers, uh, sampling stuff in the kitchen. Uh, well, it's the Doctor in drag. What can I say? It's, it, it's, it's got to be my favourite moment from episode three. Well, of all of episode three, because he's in drag all the way through episode three. Ah, uh, I should have chosen that. I, I touched upon it. It hadn't occurred to me because I was talking. Yeah, because but I did say a couple of times, didn't he? He's still dressed as a woman. Doctor Who is in drag throughout the whole of episode three of The Highlanders. And that's the only time in the show's history. Ha ha ha! I think that is a glorious fact. I, I, I will kick you. I will, I will. I won't kick you in the balls quite as often as I'd intended to, uh, Peter. Um, I will pull a couple of my kicks for that fact uh, to, uh, to 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 be injected into this uh, podcast just at the end. I wish I'd chosen that. There are too many instances of this. I need to be more on the ball, not on Peter's, um, because that is a much better choice. Uh, I need to engage my brain whilst my mouth's going on, but it's tricky. Um, I love the fact that Doctor is in drag throughout episode three of The Highlanders. I wish I'd chosen that. I didn't. So it's 2-1 to Peter. But I've got a chance to claw it back by guessing both of his things next time. Uh, as uh, we go for episode four. And let, hey, look, if I don't like the way that episode four ends, I could always come back a week later and refilm it. Did you see what I did there? I, I won't. It's cheating, but just see what I did there uh, see you next time thanks for listening to Happy Times and Places which is presented with tedious regularity by me Toby Haydoke and my guest who has chosen the Highlanders for you is Peter Ware assistant editor of Doctor Who magazine who can be found on Twitter at Percy Iver Woo Patrons who have stopped me from being put in change and sold into slavery this week include Mark Dakin, Barry Platt, Daryl McLean, Andrew Llewellyn, Sabrina Tirabassi, Kit Allen, William Keith, Peter Harness, Matt Newton, Clive Lewis, Richie and Paul Dahlgren, and Ruben Herfindahl, Rob Leonard, Stephen Moffat, Richard Straw, John Deere, Chris Dunford-Kelk, Chivonge Galichon, Ian Key, Joe Llewellyn, Darren Mackay, and Barry Platt. The music for this podcast is by Dave Gates. The artwork by Dylan Patterson and the thumbnails by Gav Rymill. If you would like to become a patron, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Toby You can get advanced releases, exclusive material and a badge or two. There's also the option of a one-off payment at ko-fi.com forward slash Toby but look, you don't have to pay anything. But do you know what's absolutely free? Going to all your podcast outlets and leaving five-star reviews and lots of lovely feedback because that just helps with my algorithms. And my algorithms could always do with a little tweak. You can also go to my YouTube channel and there's a visual version of this if you want to see what sort of moustache I had when I was saying these words. And you can also go to my website, www.tobyhadoke.com, 
and you can watch me do comedy every Tuesday at twitch.tv forward slash excessmalarkey where I introduce four guests from the international comedy circuit and do a bit more swearing and a bit less Doctor Who than I do here. But it's fun nonetheless. The club's been going for 24 years and has won many, many awards. (laughs) 